0: Like a How are you today? I'm doing good, Eric. Man. I'm doing good. I can't believe we're in November already. What What a year so far. I know it's it's mind warping, right?
1: And and we first touch base, and we'll we'll unpack how I uh, how I got to know about what you're doing and and you. But we first touched base on this in July. I look back in the in the DMs, and we oh, wow. we tabled okay. this as maybe an option in July, and just trying to get <laughs> calendars. And also, you've had some things to be dealing with personally, right? Yeah. Um, um but now we're here we're in november it's terrifying that we've kind of blinked our eyes in february march time and where's where's the year gone
0: mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. i know it's yeah i think like you know just for me just kind of thinking that like this is probably i think as well saying i swing to my wife um that week week saying how maybe when you get older the years and the hours just go really quickly but this year literally is just kind of just flown by and i guess we've had to kind of navigate so much different kind of things you know, to kind of like get our heads around as well. I know, I know, big time. So talking about Mm -hmm. getting our heads around things,
1: for those that know you, they will know you as the man that fronts up the the brilliant Creative Me podcast, which is uh, championing the arts and culture scene in the Northeast, right? They'll Mm -hmm. know you as the guy that fronts up We Are Here Scotland platform championing black and minority artists, which is absolutely awesome. And the guy who fronts up Big up the Dean, all this merch here that I never got for free by the way. I just want to say we bought this as Doyle's. You know, we we, we do follow the brand. We're big supporters yeah. of the brand, but yeah. all that really good stuff. And you're a social worker for nine to 14 year olds, which we can unpack. So we've got lots to discuss, man. Lots to discuss how, you, how you're doing that, but I want to take it back. And there's a point where you're going to have to explain how this um, cool kid from South London, West Norwood, ended up in Aberdeen but life started in West Norwood for you. What was life yeah. like growing up as a kid?
0: I mean, yeah, all good. I grew up in a housing estate. Um, I was born in like 81, so I kind of had a, the experience of like lots of kind of different social and economic changes. Um, you know, going through various kind of Tory governments and stuff, you know, Thatcher years and then John Major and Tony Blair, things can only get better, (laughs) you know, (laughs) years. Um, Yeah, you know, it's all good. I had a very kind of like good um, upbringing, um, single parent household. You know, um, my mum is from, my parents are from like Jamaica. So I had a really good kind of like strong kind of like ethos about culture and community. And you know, and just kind of taking pride in yourself and where you're from, and yeah, so that's and I guess like the community was very kind of mixed and diverse in terms of like you know, white Irish, Scottish, um Pakistani, Indian, Nigerian, Ghanaian, not just Jamaicans, but you know, I have people from like Trinidad and Tobago as well. So I have a Caribbean island, so it was really cool. I had a really good kind of like group of friends, like me, my brother, and my sisters did. So yeah, I mean like. Thinking back on it now, I think that kind of like upbringing has kind of done me so much socially and emotionally just because um, being raised in that kind of community where it's like you're always out, you're always playing out, you're always doing stuff. You know, you would like because it was not like I guess it was those kind of years when computers are coming out, but that wasn't really gauging our interest. It would be like, Playing football all night, you know, in the park until the street like that's it, when the street lights go on, you go home, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like or says all your mom saying, you know, it's like, your dinner time and stuff. So, like, like, you know, that's the kind of like fond memories I have about it. And thinking like the generation that probably I grew up in would probably much more active, more kind of like socially engaged as well in the community. So yeah, I've definitely kind of really positive and fond memories of growing up in West Nord on on the house and the state I grew up in. Do you think uh, do you think the fact
1: that that you're you're you've devoted your life to to pulling people together and sharing information and sharing and the joy of community and all that, do you think that's the origins of it is growing up as a kid in West
0: Norwood and that that culture? Yeah, I think so. I think because it's almost kind of like, you know, everyone did their best to kind of support each other. And if there's any kind of like altercations or fights, it will be, be quick to kind of be resolved and stuff, you know, and I think that's the kind of way like for me, I just like I've also i always kind of say this before i like seeing people do well i don't have that kind of thing in my head to be like oh what like oh why did i get into that opportunity or doing this i'm like oh that's awesome like because yeah. like when i went to like secondary school which is like the equivalent of academy in like in london my school is called like dunraven school and then you've got like some people in your year they got that like trials at Tottenham or crystal palace or arsenal and you're thinking oh that's like awesome you know some things probably worked out for some people and some didn't but it's almost kind of like growing up in that kind of this atmosphere and seeing, you know, like, almost kind of like a black excellence or this like multicultural kind of this celebration of this life and community. Yeah, I think that's definitely influenced the way I kind of go about doing my things now. Cool, cool. And and when did, when
1: did it dawn on you that arts and culture was something that really, really appealed to you and really got under your
0: skin? You know, it's always from a young age, I was very much into, I think I remember my mum probably bought me like one of my first kind of like comic books, like a DC, you know, Batman comic book, and I just fell in love with like this, the imagery and the way the story was being told. And then from there, like, you know, my mum also like um, single parent um, household. So during the summer holidays, we would go to like um, Dulwich Park, which is not that far from where we lived. And there was like an art gallery. So we'd kind of have our picnic and stuff, and the mum would take us to the art gallery afterwards. So that's I think that's definitely a kind of really cool, fond memory that my mum was very much keen on exposing us to kind of different cultural experiences as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I think that's kind of like definitely influenced my interest in like art and creativity. And also at school, I was always kind of like, with a couple of friends I remember in like secondary school, we used to make our own comics and stuff as well, or trade comic books. Stuff, yeah and like trade comic books and stuff like that and you know that's something that you know just the kind of whole bit of storytelling and like you know characters of alter egos and stuff like you can get really like immersed in that kind of storytelling Oh, tell yeah, me about yeah.
1: it I, I absolutely agree yeah. i mean i i had uh i mean your 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 community your upbringing and your family life sounds sounds as if it was really solid and really helpful and supportive mm-hmm. i had a kind of opposite to that. But I used to escape through comic books, it's quite funny, I used to escape. Yeah. And it was 2000 AD for me, Judge Dredd in 2000 AD. Oh, yeah. I just used to lose myself in that stuff. You know, as long as I could put my head in one of those and just lose myself in those stories, that kept me going and I knew I'd be okay until the next yeah. one came out. So it's there's a lot of power in that sort of illustrated storytelling, isn't there?
0: Absolutely, man, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, it, is, it does provide like such good escapism, I think like, uh, and I kind of kind of make note that I think when we kind of got older as young black men in the area a lot of things started changing and like it did get to that kind of bit of people getting involved in things that you shouldn't be getting involved in and stuff like that I think my brother like he's had you know a couple well experiences as well that he kind of took a different path in his life and there's probably like People can say, like, you know, what's why that kind of happened? Was it because it wasn't like a predominantly male role model in the household? Or yeah. you know, you know, was it the kind of environment as well? And it's, it's something that we we'll always kind of speak to when I mean, we we'll always kind of like reflect on about, you know, some of the people that like we have this kind of like saying, I guess, or mentality that, you know, once you kind of like get out of that housing estate, you've made it, you know, you got a job, you go and study, you know. That's it like you know there's always again that we go back to that kind of notion of making it like that's not yeah. living in an environment that you know, has its positives, but also has its negatives, you know. Big time
1: so 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 you get into arts and culture, Um, I think you I think you got into college doing some sort of. Yeah. sculpture based yeah. uh, studies, but it never worked yeah. out right.
0: No, it never worked out. I was probably a bit too, well, I went to City Westminster College. Um, it was one of the um, campuses, it was up, up in Paddington Green, so I was going, traveling all the way from Southeast London to Paddington. Um, and yeah, it was cool. I enjoyed it. I made some cool friends then, And but I think I was just very much young and immature, and I came with this very much like um, council estate mentality, that uh, they're just kind of against me and all that kind of stuff, and then wasn't wasn't in that kind of mindset or mature enough to be told oh no maybe you could do something this way or that way so i did about i think like six or eight months of that and then i think we had to kind of like find our own like placements and stuff and i applied for a few places and i didn't get it and i was like oh do you know what then sack it i'm not going to do this and i just kind of just went to kind of finding part-time jobs and stuff like that and yeah and i think you know i kind of look back and the thinking like oh i wish i did that oh i could have you know finished it would have been cool you know to have that kind of qualification but i know deep down compared to me now being a 38 um, year old adult that i wasn't ready you know i just wasn't mature yeah. you know and, and that's act. okay that's okay because yeah, you know
1: when you at the time I, I, some, I sometimes think education is a the way that we we educate uh, in in the world is quite odd the way that, the, that you go to school and that's when you learn and you're going to be, you're going to learn something for a year, and then you're going to do a big exam. And if you fail that exam, you're a loser. If you if you pass it, you're a hero. It's all too digital. It's all too the same. People yeah. learn, You're sitting at 38 years old, going, ah, right, that's why I never worked for me. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think as well as like, I wouldn't say like I was just unruly. I think I was just kind of like at that time, obviously still kind of finding myself as well, like. Um, because I didn't leave school very much good kind of qualifications, like I'm really crap, I'm dyslexic, which I only found out when I was in university in, in wow. Aberdeen. And, you know, and um and art was just like my life, you know, then it's kind of like so still if, is.
1: So what age were you found when you found out you were dyslexic?
0: I was in my twenties. I remember it was my last year at university and I remember it's just like um I was just kind of like I've, I've I, I did a, I think I, well, in my head I did a really great kind of like assignment or like an essay, but I think I just passed it. I think I got like a C or a D or something. And then like one of the the lecturer who marked it saying, "Hey, look, you know, I think you know you might be worthwhile looking assess for this lecture because it's like there's some things there that you know yeah. you can see what you're trying to say, but it's like there's words missing and stuff like that." So. Did that? Then I found out. Oh yeah, I'm dyslexic and a slightly um, dysgraphia as well. So I think for me, it's just kind of like having to like. I can. It's almost like I will. I see it as well. Happen a lot now. If I'm texting someone or emailing someone, I miss out something because I'm saying it in my head, but I'm not putting it down. Type yeah, it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that was like a um, like an interesting kind of thing to kind of find out then. Because I remember like back when I was younger, like teachers, would be like, we were saying to my mom, "Oh, I think he's kind of like you know." If he's kind of like a learning this difficulty and stuff my mum was like no not a chance you know just kind of finds it a bit more difficult to kind of read and like catch up with other people so my mum was having none of it which no. thank god you know So, <laughs> I think, you know, and i think as well because i didn't know i had dyslexia i think there's a part as well not getting assessed uh, but an education psychologist at the university it was just kind of like you know before people get diagnosed always kind of find a way to kind of manage that for themselves, you know, yeah. without kind of recognizing that they have dyslexia. So yeah, no, no, yeah. That was just kind of like, you know, a bit of a revelation to
1: me <laughs> Totally, but no, I guess yeah. in your life you, you can, you can relax with that. You can have a bit of fun with it mm-hmm. and you probably, you probably now understand the mechanisms to be able to, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, the fact that you even got through university not knowing you were dyslexic is incredible right and finding out in your last year I think that's that's yeah. you know <laughs> I wish someone had told me sooner kind of thing
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely. The hindsight's an amazing thing where it's kind of like oh oh okay then you kind of just find out all the supports that can you know you can that are available to you and you just kind of you just go with it man.
1: Totally so so did you uh so let's let's get to the part where you know you move from London to Aberdeen and what was the driver for that what brought you here?
0: Driver, um, well, currently living in like so. well speaking from my house, where me, and my wife, and my child live, So yeah, it was my wife. Well, well, um, met her like in two thousand and two, and like met her in Sainsbury's. Actually, was both working in Sainsbury's, and she, she, her connection to Aberdeen is that she moved here from um, to Aberdeen from Lancaster, um, which was like nine or ten. Her dad got a job at RGU, lecturer in law, so he kind of uprooted the family. Sorry, they were say in the Isle of Man, but she's born in Lancaster. And then right. she came down to London, stayed with her sister and I just met her in Sainsbury's, connected, you know, fell in love, as they say. And then we always kind of felt like, oh, like, she wanted to go study nursing, I wanted to do social work. But living in London, in a studio flat is paying like, back then, this, people say this, people probably think this sounds really cheap, but you're paying like 500 pounds a month, you know, and you're working, you're not getting that paid that paid that well in your job so we kind of just made the leap um went to her mum and her stepfather lived in New Deer tariff so i remember kind of like you know visiting before um when we was going out um before we moved up in 2004 and just kind of being like all right let's just kind of make a go of it i was kind of doing a bit of recon as well so i was looking at oh where can i go and study social care and you know social work and stuff in Aberdeen and this kind of just took the leap because Financially, I think it would have been a ma- a major struggle to kind of like keep surviving in London. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, did it, and yeah, and then you know, still here. <laughs> so, <you> no. <know, laughs> right? If anyone, if anyone's kind of annoyed with everything, come do we blame my wife?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blame blame your wife. So, so you got into social care. So the social yeah. work came first, right? Out of out yeah, all these things yeah, that you're currently doing today, yeah. social work came yeah, first.
0: Definitely. Um, yeah. And was that work, something
1: yeah. you always wanted to do?
0: Yeah, I remember like, because I, I started like, um, there came a bit when I was working in retail, and very dissatisfied with it, the, the the monotony of it all, and then my friend was volunteering um, Holy Cross Centre in King's Cross in London. And so they come along and I thought, oh, this is amazing. I was working with people um, who are homeless and you know, struggle with alcohol and substance misuse issues. So I kind of volunteered like twice a week, I think it was like a Tuesday and a Friday. So that was kind of a really cool experience, eye opening experience as well, man. It was like, you know, when you're kind of confronted with challenges of people who are on their, like, you know, they're like substance issues, issues, it's, it's, you know, it's right in your face. You can't avoid it. And you have to kind of like use those kind of skills, though, that you grew up with or like to kind of like diffuse situations and stuff. But it was for me, it was an eye open experience. It was a really great experience that I'm very kind of like fond of. And, you know, and then that kind of put me on that path of saying, hey, helping people, that's a good thing, you know, like actually committing your time to to support people who are not that fortunate, you know, that kind of put me on that kind of path and just decided actually, yeah, I want to go and study social work. Cool,
1: cool. And you're yeah. still doing it today. And you're, you're yeah. you're from our discussions before, you're now sort of specializing or focusing on um, children or kids, nine yeah. to 14 year olds, right? So that's your yeah. specialism. And you're yeah. currently doing that today in and around, is it in and around the Northeast of Scotland or
0: mostly in Aberdeen? Just like Aberdeen, Aberdeen City. I mean, yeah, it's just kind of like I, I did like field social work when I was newly qualified for like a year. It just wasn't me. I just like, I mean, my first, I remember my first day, it was just like, here's some like um, children's hearing reports so have been halfway finished, but that person's left. It's just like, you know, you're supposed to have like a protector caseload and it's just kind of like, you know, wow, like just like start <laughs> running. You know like so you basically got like a full caseload and really challenging like cases and some child protection cases that i probably shouldn't have had um but i remember like always wanting to kind of the services the service that i work for now was called like family and community support back then and then i kind of worked a joint case with like my friend um, Ale- um angus hutchinson and he's a really really sound guy and he said hey there's a part-time job coming up then from a part-time job i just swapped my roles with a um worker who's just had a child so it kind of turned out it's got a full-time job and i've been there since like 2013 i just really like the work that we do it's very much that kind of practical the basis of what social work is about you know offering that practical support to young people and in our team we've got two teachers as well so we've got like a learning room as well so we're always kind of like thinking outside the box doing stuff on a minimal budget to support our children and like uh, our, our families so yeah i really really enjoy my job
1: Oh, that's cool that's cool so there are many social workers in the world there are yeah. ma- there aren't many social workers who've got a very successful well well appreciated podcast who've got <laughs> social media platforms and uh, uh uh a merch brand how did that all start <laughs> what what came first
0: do you know what i think i uh, podcast yeah it came first and i remember like um the creative learning team a couple of years ago so like one of my um old colleagues, former colleagues where I was doing field social work. Lynn Richardson sent me an email saying, oh, we've got this email from like, the creative learning team because they're looking for people. I can't remember the name of the programme, but they're looking for workers within the council to kind of do some like arts and kind of crafts and like workshops and stuff there's so graffiti writing, poetry and much more. I thought, oh, cool, I'll sign up to that. And then this kind of started a really good relationship with the creative learning team in terms of like getting young people involved with them as well. And then I remember that it was like 2016. It was Mandy Clark who works for the creative learning team. Said, "Hey, we're doing this kind of program to stay in life as a creative." You know, I think it was like I think I was the third or second year. I can't remember. And she said, "Oh, would you like to kind of sign up?" I was like, oh, "Okay, awesome." And I did. I don't know how I managed to do this, but I managed to kind of convince my work that this would be very, very beneficial for not just me and my and my kind of like um career development but also the young people and they're like oh yeah awesome go for it Cause I used to do a lot of kind of like art based kind of work with young people at my work and so yeah I did that and it was like twice a week I think it was like for two months I did that in 2016 no actually no going back I think it was 2015 sorry right of that so no it's was, it was really cool I met some really nice people I think everyone there most people were like qualified they ever studied in like Glasgow Edinburgh or like Grey School of Art but it's really cool experience. It kind of made me think like, why isn't anyone kind of really kind of documenting this and like in a podcast? Come on, I'm a podcast fiend. I love podcasts. Yeah. So I kind of thought, well, I'm gonna put this plan together. Then obviously the natural flow of work and the demands of work kind of take over. So you kind of put that to the side. I remember keeping mentioning it to my wife. My wife my wife said, Oh, you just kind of go for it. And just by chance, it was 2017, I remember seeing like the creative funding team based in Aberdeen City Council, were like, oh, we're doing the funding for this year. Um, they, did, they, did, they, did, they, did, they did it in two parts, like the start of the year and the middle of the year. So I think I just got it at the start of the year. So I applied for it, did, did some bit of research about equipment and filled out the whole application, went through the whole process. And I got some funding for a podcast. I was like, all right, I better go and do this now then. So <laughs> it was like, I think it was like, um, November yeah November no it would have been September it was approved in 2017 then November the 7th I recorded my first episode and that was with Gary Kemp um, from Dirt Skateboards who's a good friend now and yeah I just kind of just kept on just kind of contacting people more it's like pestering people saying hey i was just starting this kind of podcast and stuff and you know along the way I would say like to give like a shout out as well I met like um, before I did my first call I met John Reed um, who, who has a blog, Mood of Collapse, and that's been going for like 11 and a half years. And it was like one of like, um, the former kind of like, um, people on my program, the Slack program, Caitlin said, Oh, I know John, you should like check him out. So I met him after one of the new art tour walks that he does. Yeah. Down at the green. And he kind of said to me, well, this is my idea. What do you think? He said, oh, yeah. Awesome. Go for it. And you know, that kind of spurred me on even more. So he was kind of just, started to kind of just get in contact with people started to because I wasn't really that really much on social media I deactivated my Facebook so I thought All right I need to actually recognize I need to be using social media platform as to promote the podcast so that's what I did kind of create the Twitter Instagram Facebook and started to connect to people message people and stuff and yeah and since then well yeah like just on Sundays it's like three years of me kind of like just doing this so it's just kind of been like I've been consistent as much as I can be. This is the first year that I've actually probably, for many different reasons I'm sure we'll get into, I had to kind of deliberately take a bit of sustained break here and there. Yeah. And so it, it's felt kind of good actually to be like, well, you know, I can come back in a month or a couple of months and there has been really kind of uh, interesting conversations to the people that subscribe and engage with the podcast.
1: So if you were to, for for anyone who's never tuned into it, and uh, you know, everyone in Aberdeen certainly should, everyone in Scotland certainly should, I think it's fantastic, everyone interested in arts and culture certainly mm-hmm. should, how would you, what would be the the 30 second explanation of what Creative Me podcast is, what's, what would attract people to come and listen to it, what's it for?
0: I think, you know, the podcast is for, I think it's for everyone, but it's more as, a, as the focus is about exploring art and creativity in the northeast of Scotland, it's about Drawing a bit more of a light or shine and focus on the community that's up there because there is a creative and artistic community in Aberdeen, and you know everyone's just kind of throwing away doing their own thing and you know working hard. But like it's very much now I'm seeing so much kind of interconnection of people working together. I'm thinking like, oh, I've interviewed some of those people. I don't think it's it's not because of me. I think it's because of the power of social media as well. So I think that's what the podcast is about. It's about exploring. art and creativity in the northeast of Scotland and giving a voice um, to these creatives and artists. You know, I think I think we spoke about this before, there's always quite a big focus on like, you know, the central belt and yeah. what's kind of happening. but uh, We need to kind of like take a bit of pride in like in what we're doing as well and amplify our, our voices. It's yeah, probably exactly. like a long winded <laughs> explanation of what the podcast is no, about.
1: It's, it's cool, it's cool and yeah. absolutely right. We, you know, as soon as you sort of leave the central belt and you get up past Dundee, it's like, it's like the volume's turned down on anything north of kind of like the central belt. So anything that can turn that volume up, I think is absolutely brilliant. And I would say for anybody out there, although uh, ICA does um, interview sculptors, rappers, dancers, musicians, artists, whatever it might be, people that are into fashion brands or whatever, there's an excellent episode that I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, which is episode 87, which is you checking in after a little period of being away for a reason. Yeah. And the first 20 minutes of that, I think is absolutely gold dust because mm-hmm. you're basically, well, not fessing up to the world, but you're saying, listen, I've been away for a while because I had COVID mm-hmm. and that how that impacted you. So, you know, for anyone, you know, I don't actually, I, I know people who think they might have had COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who had COVID, right? So I know people who, I think I had it. I think I had it back in March. And then, and then you listen to what you went through and you're like, nah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. So you had a horrific time, right? Yeah, yeah. Horrific. Um, so that's, that's really, so for anybody who's out there thinking that this whole COVID thing's just a, just a made up piece of nonsense, you you say different, right?
0: Absolutely. I think like, you know, you know, you mentioned that in the episode and I kind of felt like I just needed to kind of speak on a few things and, you know, and the whole kind of circumstances how COVID, I kind of, trying to summarize it in a short kind of synopsis is that my wife um, went back to work um, after being on maternity leave like we had a, a our daughter was born last year and she went back to work within three weeks and um, she's an advanced nurse practitioner and then she caught the virus then I caught it as well I mean the first week wasn't too bad but going into the, the end of the set no, actually going towards the end of the first week going into the second week it was just like hell it was yeah. awful I mean all the senses that they describe on the TV, like, I had it and it just felt like, like, okay, the scent, losing the sense of smell and taste. For felt like my eyes were going to burst, you know, their blood bloodshot red. I was drinking loads of fluids as well, but then I was kind of sweating all the time, so I lost a ton of weight, um, which my mother-in-law said silver lining anyway, because I was putting on some beef. Um, last time she saw me so you every club um,
1: every cloud. yeah yeah then
0: um, i remember like the kind of the pivotal moment it came to when it was just like because it got to the point where i was just kind of like my wife still had the virus but she wasn't doing great but she was able to kind of get up and do stuff for like our, our daughter and i remember just kind of taking myself off into the spare bedroom and i remember the towards the end of the first week it was the weekend and my wife saying look i think we possibly should call nhs 24 if this continues I was going to do it on the monday but i was just kind of feeling so crap i just did it on the tuesday and and the way it kind of happened i remember calling around eight, half eight on tuesday morning this is like going into the start of may now and it kind of worked out kind of like i explained all my kind of symptoms and then he said okay the doctor will call in a couple of hours and that was just a relief for me but the doctor called within half an hour and said okay we're gonna do an online assessment tried to get me to a move and stuff like that. And she said to me, look, I think you're very, you look very, you don't look great. You look very dehydrated. And I think I'm going to call you an ambulance. And, you know, that was it. Kind of an ambulance came within like and probably like half an hour. My wife packed me a bag, went into the ambulance, you know, Um, and it was just kind of like that kind of bit of kind of feeling relieved, but because I was so dehydrated and just like, just fatigued, I remember getting, they got like a wheelchair and I went to A&E and I'm saying, look, I think I'm going to be sick. And then I think I just passed out. And then I was on the hospital stretcher. And I remember like, because everyone's wearing masks, I remember like a nurse saying to me, hey, look, you know, control your breathing, Mr. Headlem and stuff. And they took all my clothes off. I was just drenched in sweat. and But yeah, I think for me, it was like, you know, I basically had the starts of like beginnings of sepsis. So I had antibiotics for my breathing was getting to that point. I remember the doctor, I was in hospital for basically for five days. I remember the doctor saying to me on the ward rounds, "Like, good that you came in at this point, and you know, like, and you didn't leave it later to the week and stuff." Because you know, we do that kind of thing. I think it was just like, "Oh, yeah, I'm just gonna tough it out. I'm gonna ride yeah. it out." Yeah. And stuff like, like any kind of cold or flu. We said that it's really good that you came in at this time, you know. And the staff there, like, it was Ward One O Seven, ARI, which is a, a spiritual ward. But they got, I think, I got like three or four COVID wards at ARI. So that like they they were just amazing they're just like it's like all like days kind of i'm just so thankful i'll send them a handphone i hope they've got it just to say thank you for getting me home to my family like it, it was scary i remember there's that kind of periods when i was kind of scared to kind of even sleep as well i remember like my breathing and
1: yeah what the, if i just drift away
0: here yeah yeah, yeah. and so basically the 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 whole kind of like the crocs of everything all um, was just that um, I developed like COVID they call it COVID pneumonia so I got like I had like fluid on my left side of my lung which left me like pneumonia scarring so I've been I had a couple of like um, chest x-rays but hopefully I'll go back and have a CT scan in November or December because like um, to make sure it's to see the scar is still there or it's kind of subsided a bit as well so yeah it's it's been a trip man it's been a journey and man, also having like I've... long COVID health issues as well that hasn't been great but went back to work about three weeks ago phase return and definitely way better than i was like when i came back good. home from hospital good for you man good for you what a, yeah. what a trial you've been through
1: um <laughs> yeah. and it feels almost like uh ridiculous to move on from that because that's so serious <laughs> and the the impact but yeah. um i just want to get into so we've discussed creative me the podcast mm. everybody should check it out i guess what it must be put what 100 odd episodes
0: or thereabouts i think it is probably, yeah, probably because there's some episodes i did like as one but i go into two parts so i guess yeah. i think it's 99 now i think right cool just kind, of just kind of looking at them over the weekend Thinking, oh geez that's a lot you know so i think yeah it's just kind of like it's it's kind of like this kind of evolved into me now like being like paid to kind of do like some kind of partnership kind of episodes which is like with city moves and um a like an agency one all the organization up in the highlands called northlands creative which those episodes will be coming out from the 19th um, mm-hmm. next 19th or november and that's like online festival of glass lives um so yeah that, that was kind of a really cool because I think they were looking for people to do podcasts, and somebody pointed them towards my thing. And I didn't that's know lovely, about that. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so like, yeah. So it's kind of been really kind of great. Me learning about like glass and and how people work with it, and it's all different kind of layers and different kind of you know topics within this kind of like um, podcast series. So I'm really looking forward to kind of sharing that with people as well.
1: Cool, cool. And so, so, so you got that up and running. Yeah. Big up the dean. Did that come next?
0: Yeah, Big Up Dean came off. Well, kind of like, yeah, not that long after the podcast, I thought like, right, how am I going to kind of like fund my kind of time of the kind of like just doing this? And I kind of thought like, well, let me kind of like think about designing some kind of t-shirts. I had a little bit of experience with that and work experience and stuff through school when I was younger, going to work with like a t-shirt, like a printing shop and stuff. So I thought, okay. I remember like I put up a design on Instagram and then Pete, um from gray area in contacted me said oh i can help you out and then just kind of started rolling from there and did the really kind of crude kind of like t-shirt designs and then i remember contacting some guys they were they were based not that far from me um white box studio which they've since um closed now i think over a year now and got in touch with them so hey i'm i'm looking to kind of they got these kind of ideas and designs and they kind of like polished up for me and stuff and yeah it's kind of been doing that and i i guess a part of it as well is actually kind of like It's kind of like, you know, probably like the kind of spin off of the podcast to actually kind of celebrate Aberdeen's creative and artistic community. Yeah. I've done a a couple of collaborations as well with people that I've interviewed. um, um, Jenny Hood, really cool artist, and Shireen Carbaugh, a really amazing illustrator as well. To the collaborations with them, did some like Etsy, like Christmas markets and stuff like that. So it's just kind of grown naturally. I kind of think like I should probably be more focused and more on it than I am with like the podcast or We Are Here Scotland. But like I remember that like, you know, speaking to you before, like last week, saying like this is kind of the most kind of like receptive I've seen people everything I've been doing this year, you know, and adding in like We Are Here Scotland to that as well. It's kind of been like a lot of people being engaged engaging you know, or like um buying stuff and like yourself you know yeah these, yeah, totally you know, that's like brilliant well, so i guess
1: yeah. i guess from our perspective yes it's great to be supporting arts and culture and all that but yeah. our perspective is that you know we'll do i'm i'm not from aberdeen i'm from glasgow uh, oh, and yeah. sarah's born and bred aberdeen but we'll do whatever we can we love it here and we want to see it thrive uh, aberdeen's yeah. given us our lives it mm-hmm. really has given us our lives um my uh my daughter wasn't born here but my son was born here and um, we worked here the reason i moved to aberdeen was through oil and gas and i've created a life here i've now been in aberdeen more than i've been anywhere else yeah. so we want to do what we can and support anything that we can that bigs up the city and bigs up what aberdeen is because yeah. sometimes sometimes it's a little bit insular and it's a little bit forgotten about so yes. if simply wearing that brand and walking around and people going what is that what does that mean I love that because loads of people go I like your hat what does that mean because there's no words on it so it makes people say what's that or if people if people see that logo and say what's what's big up the Dean I think it's a I think it's a brilliant thing so we'll do whatever we can to support that because we it's yes it's about bigging up arts and culture in Aberdeen but it's about Aberdeen as well right
0: yeah absolutely I mean like you know this is like going on the back end of what you said like I'm from London like you know I'm a South Londoner through and through but say like you know Aberdeen is my second home like I've been able to kind of study here you know make really good friends you know me and my wife you know brought our first house here you know and just kind of like you know our daughter is born here and you know family coming here my family like really love it they kind of like just love the peacefulness because they're not hearing like you know just a, a clatter of noise and noise the of the sirens. Sirens all the time yeah. you know yeah. so they really like it up here and like you know the fact that we've got a beach um in like not that far from the city centre we could go to like, Stonehaven and you yep. know they love yep. it so like yeah for me i kind of think like, it's definitely about Aberdeen i think like um you sometimes you see some whenever whenever i don't know if you notice you whenever you see something new happening or come to Aberdeen you look at a comments page or we'll, like even express or something online there's always kind of like some naysayers like kind of that insular, negative kind of thing like oh why are they doing that or you know like this is going to be horrendous you can like guys like this is the only way we kind of progress and kind of move forward yeah. like all cities evolve you know all yeah. cities change as well you know so it's just kind of like yeah it's kind of frustrating to see but i'm very much for like you know like you said that you know i've made a life here this is my home and I'm supportive of like everyone doing amazing important things yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, big time, big time. So busy social worker, busy with the podcast, <laughs> busy with the busy with the merch brand, um making tote bags and t-shirts and hats and cups and all that sort of good stuff to big up the dean. So mm-hmm. you obviously decided at one point that you're just not busy enough, right? You're just not <laughs> busy enough. So you start we are here Scotland. Yeah. What is that all about? Because this is really important, right? not that anything else is yeah. less important, but this is this is this is really important. This stuff, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like we're here, in Scotland is like a platform that possibly, yeah, I think that no, not not possibly, it definitely came out of the podcast. I remember, like, you know, looking back at my feed, and no offense to anyone I've interviewed, it's predominantly white, northeast creatives, yeah. you know, and and even like I was engaging in like creative spaces or exhibitions or showcases in Aberdeen that. I mean, it's all good, positive, you know, great friendships and stuff there. But I think that I have no one that organized this represents who I look like. Yeah. There's nothing on the walls that represent who I look like or my lived experience. So I kind of felt like, you know, we are here. Um, Scotland was going to start off as like a series of kind of podcast conversations. Then it kind of grew out of maybe this um, much more kind of important issues as well. That so I think I started this kind of this I've already connected a lot of like black and minority artists and creators already through the Create Me podcast platform and Big Up Dean. I started like an Instagram account in January this year. And then, you know, had like a few hundred kind of followers and stuff like that. And then didn't post that much. A few things here and there. And then obviously got unwell during the whole height of the pandemic and then started to come back. I did take quite a good of good few months of not being on social media. And I felt like, OK, I'm going to come on that. It's just like, you know, um, the George Floyd stuff and the Black Lives Matter stuff, you know, that, you know, started kicking off and then started kind of like not just sharing my frustrations with the lack of representation for Black and minority arts in Scotland, but also lived experience and saying, well, look, you know, we get what's happening in America is nothing new, but that's nothing new also happening in the UK, yep. you know, for our lived experience. So, you know, it's almost kind of like I went on that kind of like tangent of sharing as much information. And I think this is a key moment where non-black people were being like hey we need to actually kind of figure this out what's going on here and and it, what still surprised me is that some people was just kind of like some kind of click to some people like oh everything's not really fair for people that don't look like me you know yeah. like so i mean like i just had like my inbox on instagram this the dms was just kind of flooded with people asking questions and it got to the point i was saying, look I'm, I'm, not, the, I'm not the oracle, as you said, yeah, I'm not the oracle,
1: yeah. go and, go and yeah. research this.
0: Go yeah, Go that. Yeah. Google this kind of stuff, because this is nothing like, you know, I am I kind of see myself as like an activist sort of thing, but I'm kind of speaking on my lived experience and people kind of connect to that, people are receptive to that and I appreciate that, but now it's just like, it's getting to that point where there is that I'm always like, it's like part and part of the lived experience, we're all going to speak about, we're always going to speak about racial injustice and the lack of representation. In Scotland's um, creative industries, but it's more just kind of moving towards now more of the kind of actually how can we do real, meaningful actions that support us or support like the community, like in a more kind of practical sense. That's when I kind of started like you know the We Are Here Scotland um, Creators Fund and we launched last week Monday, and that's kind of the aim to raise like six thousand pounds you know going into twenty twenty one. So, like each month, we'll be plan to like split a thousand pounds, five hundred pounds each for artists, a black or minority artists and creatives. And that's going to fund them for, in that practical sense, whether they want to go on a residency, like online course, equipment if they're a photographer as well, or of their illustrator showcases and exhibitions because. I think that's one kind of thing I did some like Instagram kind of questions with people. Where I said, like, what's the most important for you right now, mentorship or funding? And it was like 60 something percent was saying, like, funding. And I get that. It's just because, like, for a platform for, like We're Here Scotland, which is like a community interest company, so very much like it's like a non profit organization. Any profits that I've made has to go back into the community. And, and the community I'm interested in is like the black and minority artistic and creative community. So I think it's just like setting up something like this. I think you know, it's I think the feedback I'm getting from people across Scotland is that oh, this is this is just relief. This is really good to see that, you know, like you know, it's like it's it's like not like the a universal kind of voice source. It's just like somebody's actually speaking on stuff that we always kind of think about and we are having to kind of navigate within this kind of industry. So I hope that you know offering practical support that will put someone in good stead on that path to be like, right, I've got an up-to-date equipment so I can actually do this kind of exhibition that I want to do or do an online kind of like platform to promote myself and my work. I think those things kind of go a long way and they're very much needed. Um as So just, well. just just
1: just while just while we're on that energy and uh, no point waiting to the end to say, well, how can people because people might tune out towards the end, how can yeah. people help with that creators fund? for We Are Here Scotland? Where can they go? What, what do they need to do? Um,
0: well, they can go to um, some, you can follow the link on the website and um, We Are Here Scotland as well. Um, you'll find it like the Creators Fund link there. And also like if immediately you can just go to the Instagram as well, go to my link tree, you can find it there. You find all the links, all the kind of different stuff I've done. It's at the top of my link tree, um, the GoFundMe campaign. So yeah, I think that's where people can, can like, you know, offer like that financial support as well. And I just found out today, just got um, just got like a thousand pounds. So that's actually two creatives now that we can fund. You know, still, still, still awesome. short. Yeah, still short of the target. and you know, we need to get five the five thousand pounds, but we're getting there.
1: No, superb, superb. And listen, we we always we always um, we always put up the, the number of the crux cast and the guests, but we always have a subheading. And you said something which was, and with your permission, we'll use this as the title for this. Mm. You said something which really smacked me between the eyes. Before you get comfortable, you have to get uncomfortable
0: yeah and i yeah. love
1: that and you said this is the reality of the live black experience now
0: yeah
1: if it's okay with you i'd like to subtext this before you get comfortable you need to get uncomfortable because i think that yeah, is super yeah. powerful if that's 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 okay with you yeah. hey listen listen um so it, the vibe that i get from you is you you're you're here to you, you were put on this earth to 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 put people on pedestals <laughs> you don't necessarily need to be put on a pedestal yourself, you're a, you're the enabler for other people, you want people to yeah. be discovered, you want to help people, you're a social worker, you big up the city, you big up black and minority artists, you big up um, northeast uh, artists as well, you're the sort of conduit, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, I have the feeling, maybe you're not able to share it with us, I have the feeling you've probably got other ideas about things that you want to do, and there's probably other things in the fire and I can see that smile. It's already... <laughs>
0: There is. There is. But right now, Eric, I think I like, um just literally just, just agreed to putting our house in the market. Ah. So um yeah, we're looking to get somewhere a little, slightly a little bit bigger um um for like me my wife and a uh, daughter as well. So I was thinking like that's gonna be the focus just yeah, now. Yeah. I think in like the new year time i probably will let people know some kind of plans in terms of like We Are Here Scotland and the create a new podcast. I think yeah, for now it's kind of feel like it's kinda of strange I think after three years now, I feel like I'm actually more or less kind of just established than what i do right you always have those kind of bits of that fear and doubt and being like oh yeah. so why am i doing this and stuff but i kind of feel like oh all right the podcast yeah. like that's that's established like people just discover it they've got like 90 something conversations they can catch up on yeah like you know like so yeah. i'm i'm, I'm finding that so i think like yeah in the new year going into 2021 2022 i will be kind of doing some kind of new things but i'm, I'm very much kind of like Mindful as well, actually, but not getting burned out, which I have experienced before in the past couple yep. of years. And especially with the greatest
1: respect, the fact that your 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 whole health system's taking such a pounding this year. Yeah, you yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. So I'm learning that kind of that equal kind of balance. I'm like I got the idea, and for, for a few things, and yeah, I, I now I know I now act on it, but not just now. I've got i got so much on my plate just now, so I'm very do, much kind of do. focused in the here and now, man. Listen, listen. I, you, you you kind of blow us away with what you do, and certainly
1: um, the people here at Crux we absolutely support what you do. It's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. I'd love to catch up with you again, maybe next year sometime, if that's cool, and see. Oh, definitely, man. Yeah. See yeah, where it's absolutely. all going and all of that. But yeah. um, uh, more power to what you're doing, and it's been such a pleasure right. to catch up with you. Ika, thank you.
0: Cheers, out, right, man.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. you.
0: Bye, bye. Bye.